You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Friends, I am joined on this podcast by a buddy of mine the past 25 years or so. Her name is Marty Whittakin. She is a certified clinical nutritionist and an absolutely amazing woman. She wrote a book uh, several years ago. It's now a best-selling book, Natural Alternatives to Nexium Malox, Malox um, Tagamet, Prilosec, and Other Acid Blockers. I'm so happy this book took off. This is a must-read. Any of you who lay in bed at night and go, this is a must-read. She's just written a book. Uh, I read it a year ago or so. It's called The Probiotic Cure. This woman knows more about your gut than your gastroenterologist does. Marty, thank you for coming in and Well, thank you. I, I, I know a gastroenterologist who's a genius in that department and wrote the foreword for the book, so there are exceptions to every rule. There are, and here's what blows me away. If I had a stomach problem and went to a gastroenterologist at a big hospital here in Texas, he likely would not know what a probiotic is. Oh, an antibiotic? but not a probiotic. So let's start at the beginning for the listeners who really are like that gastroenterologist in Dallas, really don't know what a probiotic is. What are they? They are friendly bacteria that live in our intestinal tract. There are trillions of them, more than our own cells. They have more DNA than our own cells. They're part of our instruction manual. And there are thousands of different kinds of them. So they're down there creating substances that help our body operate. They send signals to our immune system. They send signals to our brain, to our heart. Every single discipline in medicine is now looking at probiotics at least as an adjunct to the other things they're doing because they realize they have been discounting this, just not paying any attention at all to probiotics. Some people call probiotics just the, the pills you take, but there's not a good name for all the good guys on the inside. So I figure call them the same thing because whether they're on the outside or the inside, they're the same bugs. Marty, do, are we born with these little factories in our body, good bacteria? And what erases them? Uh, why do some children three years old have GERD? Some of them in the hospital, when they're born, are given acid-blocking medications, which just makes me crazy. Uh, we are supposed to be born with them, but a lot of factors. If the mom doesn't have any to pass on, if she's been on antibiotics, if uh, C-sections, the baby doesn't get the same amount. Bacteria as a vaginal birth, right? I've right. heard that. Okay. And uh, with C-sections, the mom is given more antibiotics, so they aren't getting what they should get from breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and they give babies antibiotics way too soon. If, if they ever needed to, if they had good probiotics, they might not need them. But here they've got these antibiotics killing off all their good guys before they've had a chance to accumulate from food and from pets from crawling around on the floor, a good assortment of bacteria in their body, they start killing them off. See, when I first learned about this some maybe 30 years ago, you were, you were primarily in there very early, um, I learned that these are just bacteria, that you swallow them and it makes the, it's a, you know, 
it's a concentrate sometimes. Be careful, folks, with the probiotic you choose. Um, and I'll ask Marty, you know, what to look for in a good probiotic. But it's just bacteria that falls down there and adheres to the gut. But man, there's so much more, as I read in your book. These are little dynamos. They are little miniature chemical factories, and there may be as much as 100,000 different things that they create. We will be cataloging those in the science for years to come. What we do know already is we had better take care of them because they are supposed to take care of us. Here's what kind of boggles my mind. Um, when this information first came out, we began to look at non-sweetened sugar, and maybe some, I remember working in an allergy clinic and an engineer, an airplane engineer told me one day he didn't need his allergy shots when he ate what his mother put together and he brought in this white bowl with saran wrap over it and he said, do you know what this is? And I said, well, it looks like cottage cheese maybe. And he said, well, it's aged milk, bacterial aged milk. And when I eat this, uh, I don't need my allergy shot. I don't, get, I don't talk like that when I eat this. And that was early. I mean, Marty, I'm going to go back 43 years, this guy told me that. And it kind of piqued my interest. Okay, so he's eating old milk, number one, who would do that? <laughs> and then in medicine... Hard to market that. Exactly, exactly. That would be hard to market in a bowl. And then we learned bacteria was bad, hence the need for 3,000 antibiotics in the pharmaceutical industry. So this guy's eating bacteria. I remember you know, going home and telling my girlfriend and my friends about this. This guy's eating bacteria. Ooh, he's going to get sick. He's going to die. When in fact, that's where we were 43 years ago. Today, you've seen and you reference you know, the, this thousand studies you looked at. And here's the good news. They weren't just gastroenterologists. These were doctors of all disciplines looking at good bacteria and how it might enhance or help the patient's symptoms, no matter if they're on the skin or in the brain. What you're saying about 30 years ago is so right. We got, from the time they discovered that some pathogens are bacteria, we have been all about antibiotics and sanitizing everything. That's another reason that the babies don't have what they need is moms are, are so afraid they're sterilizing everything that the baby could possibly touch. and. Some of the chemicals they're using for that actually kill our good bacteria as well. But we just have only thought about bacteria as something that could make us sick. This is a new age where we realize, oh my gosh, we have been killing off a substantial part of our instruction manual. No wonder we're getting sick. Yeah, and you reference antibiotics as being part of the reason. But I'm telling you, if you pick up salad dressing today and look at it, 47 ingredients. If you look at what, in, what is in Tagamet and some of these things that you reference in the other book, Natural Alternatives, you can't believe the, the, the chemicals in these things. And then we're scratching our heads and saying, why did grandma and grandpa enjoy such good health? Right? They grew their food and ate it and never went to a doctor. And yet we're running to doctor after doctor after doctor trying to chase down what's wrong with us. So much of it starts in the gut. I worked for David Weekly, a well-known Johns Hopkins graduate uh, dermatologist here in Dallas. It's what brought me to Dallas when you and I first met 30 years ago. Um, and this, this doctor, number one, he didn't know anything about probiotics, but we noticed that as I began 
using uh, some of these old, old, I can't even remember the name of them, probiotics, their skin problems began going away. So he said, he would always tell me, well, maybe you're onto something. I'd restrict their diet, I'd recommend these little capsules. Um, here's a skin doctor whose patients benefited from gut. It, it, I mean, is that association clear to doctors? It, it's getting that way. Um, I, I think now, at the least, doctors know they probably shouldn't interfere with them. They should try to protect them, even if they're not in a position yet where they know enough to feel that they could prescribe them. They're still way too comfortable prescribing antibiotics, and they're still a little afraid of probiotics. But uh, when you go back to kind of the baseline where you're talking about, mm -hmm. we've been killing them off, and we now know that those chemicals that you're talking about um, I went to a couple of Harvard symposiums where they, symposia, I think that's yes. the lab. They, they were um, bringing in all these scientists and they're all so excited about the, They found out that the emulsifiers, one of those ingredients in the salad dressings, oh, that's, that reduces the diversity in the gut. Um, they don't like artificial sweeteners. The, we now have a new criteria when we should be evaluating every new chemical, every food additive, every supplement for that matter, because a lot of supplements like garlic, like resveratrol, some of those are very good for the bacteria. Uh, some of the trendy uh, stimulant type things, probably mm -hmm. not good for them, but somebody needs to do the studies. Marty, they're good for the bacteria if the bacteria is there. So many, <laughs> of, so many of us just shove down a handful of supplements every day without understanding what, what you taught, and that is first get the belly right, get the, get the bacteria right, then you'll absorb what's in those supplements much, much better. Is that right? Uh, yes. I mean, one of the chief things that the probiotics do is help us digest everything that we eat. It also help us detoxify things that we eat that we shouldn't eat. There are certain strains that make the most powerful of all the antioxidants and detoxifiers, glutathione, that helps us deal with pesticides that we got because we didn't eat organic food. Uh, it's they are part of the team, and we have to think about them in that way, that they are doing lots of jobs for us. We need to feed them well. They like good food, good supplements, and in turn, they will digest our food. They will digest our supplements and put them to work for us. You mentioned the word strains. To the lay listening audience right now, could you elaborate on that a little bit? What is, it's bacteria and it's a strain. Should we look for, in the probiotic we buy in the store, should we look for a certain strain? For example, I hear lactobacillus acidophilus all the time. And uh, I notice most product companies put many of them together, and, and there's this war going on that I'm kind of joking. I hope you feel the same way I do, but first it was six million, then it's two billion, then it's our, oh yeah, our probiotic has 50 billion. Oh yeah, we now have 100 billion. Can you elaborate on what strains and what count we should be looking for? Excellent, excellent questions. We have, a strain is like a, a family. You, know, you have the Joneses, you have the Smiths, you have the Lees down the street. 
they're different families and they all operate differently. They do different things for us. They do different things for us based on the food that we feed them and so on. So those are the strains. And the more different families we have, the diversity that's such a hot topic mm. uh, just everywhere today, really important in the gut. These are bacterial strands. Bacterial strains, families, yeah. different strain names, different species. And the more of them that we have, the better. When we have fewer of them, we, the risk for various diseases goes up. So we want more. But the thing is, the strains that are in the product are important. We want ones that have had a lot of research on them, and the Lactobacillus acidophilus, that was one of the earliest ones, has a ton of research on on it. So we don't want to just throw them in willy-nilly when we want to know, know what they do, but what's more important is keeping a good environment so that the thousands of families, species that I have, which are different than yours, that we're nourishing them so that they can all be healthy and we keep a good balance. So that's where I, I have a problem with this marketing war. It's not a, it, it makes no sense when you look at the science, but it's a marketing thing of, well, I'll see your 10 billion and raise you 5 billion. It's mm -hmm. marketing talk. We don't need, those, those numbers are meaningless because if you take a, a, just a thousand of an organism, you put it in a good home, it doubles every 30 minutes. So tomorrow this time, you have 50 billion or some really big number. So we want to start with the right strains. We want to focus most of the attention on getting the right environment. Uh, these billions, if, if you really were taking, two, and there's some out there now with 200 billion, if you take gargantuan numbers of it, the immune system says, what the heck is that? And you might get an immune reaction that you don't like, and you're upsetting the balance because we need this diversity. We don't need a whole wad of one. Are these, I'll use a big word here uh, to impress the listening audience, are these lyophilized, are these freeze-dried bacteria that are used in these products? Virtually all of the ones that are on the market, unless you're talking about the bacteria that are in a fermented food mm -hmm. in the refrigerated section. I'm not talking about sauerkraut in the main aisle of the grocery store because that's just something pickled, uh, different. But true fermented foods that kind of pop and yep. fizz when I've you take the top off. now and, you know, yeah. they're fermenting everything. And no. you're saying that's good. Bacterial that's, ferments are really good. That is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones in the capsules in the supplement section are almost always freeze-dried. They culture them quickly on usually dairy or soy, rinse off all the food supply, freeze-dry them, and then they mix together the different species. So you, it might have six different strains in there, but they didn't live together, didn't know how to work together. They mix them after they're freeze-dried. So then the first order of business for these bugs when they wake up is to find a food supply and start multiplying, but they've also got to carve out their territory, so they've got to try and get rid of all these others. So it's kind of a, a different system than what you get if you, you just support your own bacteria with fermented foods or uh, supplements that are concentrates of fermented foods, which is a different thing altogether. And then finally, 
uh, pregnant women, people on chemotherapy, uh, three-month-old children. Are there any parameters of which we don't step over uh, that line in the sand and take these? Can anyone take them? They're starting to use probiotics along with chemotherapy because they find, hey, it works better and fewer side effects. So I, the only case I know where if somebody is so immune compromised, maybe they've had a transplant and they're on a bunch of drugs to totally suppress their immune system, uh, even a good guy can become a bad guy if there's nobody keeping an eye on them. Yeah. So that's probably the only case is somebody um, who's in that kind of just terribly immune suppressed state. That's the only exception that I saw in anywhere in the literature that was contraindicated. But otherwise, these are these bacteria are supposed to be there. They're part of a healthy body, so they're not contraindicated with age, condition, medications, and so on. Marty, if they want to pick up a copy of your book, Natural Alternatives to Nexium, Malox, Tagamet, Prilosec, or if they want to pick up the newer book, The Probiotic Cure, where can they get those? Uh, they're on Amazon. They can order them at Barnes & Noble. A lot of health food stores carry them. Um, almost anywhere that, that you can get a book. And Marty's name is M-A-R-T-I-E, and then it's like white kin with an extra T, W-H-I-T-T-E. K-I-N, Marty Whittakin, comma, CCN, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. Uh, great talking with you. Thank you for helping oh, out our thank listeners. you for helping to spread the good word. I'm passionate about this it's subject. It's a great word, and you know a lot about it. I, I'm impressed. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.